Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 2 of the DA Podcast. I am your host, David Anderson. I want to thank you very much for downloading this week's edition of the podcast, and boy, do I have a show for you. My guest this week is Mr. Austin Bayless, one of my longtime friends in the business of professional wrestling, specifically at the independent level. And I've literally known Austin since he was a kid. I first met him about 10 years ago when he was a teenager just getting his break and and starting to get into the wrestling business. And we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about his time training. We're going to talk about some of the sacrifices he made literally as a teenager to pursue and follow his dream of making it in the wrestling business. And it's a great story, and I know you're going to enjoy it. We sat down earlier this week to record the podcast, and we sat down and went over what we were going to talk about and figured we'd go for about an hour. And when we finally stopped talking and I hit the stop button, we recorded about two hours and 45 minutes worth of content. So we certainly went on a lot longer than we thought, but it was good because it was a great interview. Um, Austin really let his guard down on a couple things and shared some stuff from his heart and, and dropped some heavy 411 at times that I really wasn't expecting, as you'll hear in the interview. Uh, but it was a great interview. It was great to catch up with him. And so we're going to break this into two parts. So part one you're going to hear today, and then we'll break out part two uh, to be downloaded for you guys uh, sometime early next week. But uh, again, I want to appreciate all of you for checking out the first episode uh, with my guest, uh, Todd Countryman. Did great numbers, far exceeded the numbers that I thought I would get. So thank you very much, Todd, for, for bringing some digital downloads to the DA podcast. We've got another great show for you this week, so let's not waste any more time. All right, we're here. Welcome back to episode two of the DA podcast. I am your host, David Anderson. And I'm joined this evening by one of the gentlemen that I have known the longest in the business of professional wrestling. I met this individual when he was literally a teenager. Uh, We met about 10 years ago, and we'll talk about that because before we came on the air, I asked him if he remembered when we first met, and he did not. So I'll share that story. But Austin Bayless is here with us. Austin, uh, thanks for making some time for us, and how are you? Doing great, Dave. Thanks for asking me to be a part of this. It's a, kind of a milestone event here. I'm number two. That's only got one person ahead of me, right? So we've yeah. got a lot to uh, accomplish here tonight. We do, and you've got some some pretty high numbers to to hold up. So I know that'll boost uh, Todd Countryman's ego. So, and again, my thanks to Todd for being guest number one. Did some big numbers uh, for us here on the podcast, but uh, going to spend the evening this with you here tonight we're going to talk about uh, some independent wrestling we'll talk about um, collecting autographs we're going to talk about uh, the current state of, of wrestling most notably the, the the current situation with Hulk Hogan and then uh, as I said in the open of the the first episode we're going to piss off 50% of the listening audience because we're going to talk about politics and uh, as I was making some notes about, you know, some of the things that you and I could discuss tonight, and I was going through and looking back, you're the perfect person for me to have on the show to talk about because, number one, you're informed. Uh, number two, you're actively out on the campaign trail meeting all of the, the different presidential candidates. So I think that you and I are going to have some very lively and, and spirited debates, but uh, that's good. That's what's going to get people listening, right? Boom, let's go. All right, let's do it. So, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about wrestling first. Uh, again, I, I met Austin uh, about 10 years ago when, when he was a, a strapping young lad in high school. So my first question to did you. I wear, did I have braces? You did still have the, yes. You had the braces and the, um, 
the Tyson Kid okay. m- front mohawk thing. Yep, yep. yep. I had that all- so I have a calic in the front of my head. Okay. Okay. So I have to have that if my hair gets longer than like an inch, otherwise my hair looks terrible. Okay. So All right. Yeah, so that uh Yeah. I haven't had it for two years, but before that it was twenty five years of rocking that. So that a boy. So um wrestling. So you I'm about ten I'm about ten years older than you, so I'm thirty five. You are twenty eight in September. Okay. So I'm about seven, eight years older than you. So tell me your your first your first memories of pro wrestling. So when you turned on the TV or a friend, you know, clued you in as to what professional wrestling was, what drew you to the sport? I was an only child and uh both of my parents worked full-time jobs and when I would get off of school, I would go to my grandparents' house and uh hang out with the neighbor kid. And one night he invited me over to his house to watch Monday Night Raw. And it was the scariest night of my life because I saw, you may remember this, I saw Triple H beat up a casket with the rock inside. So he beat up the rock. The rock had like a broken arm. He put him in this casket. He locked it with uh, something. And then he beat it up with a sledgehammer. And when they came back from commercial break, they showed... The Rock in you know getting taken out of this casket, going into an ambulance, and he was all bloody and he was all beat up, and I was like, oh, this is terrible. This is, uh, but I was hooked. I was scared. I, I don't know how old I was. Um, Owen Hart died the next week, so it was May something of ninety nine. So, anyways, that was like the end of hour one, and the end of hour two had Stone Cold Steve Austin locking. Uh, it had Stone Cold Steve Austin either getting locked on the under Undertaker symbol and hoisted up to the rafters or vice versa, Undertaker on the symbol. I don't remember what it was, but it was pretty cool. You know, uh, I'd never seen it before in my life, never yeah. even knew what it was. Uh, I was a huge basketball fan in the 90s. I loved me some Chicago Bulls. I liked Dennis Rodman. He was my guy. So, like, it was really easy to go from liking Dennis Rodman to liking – the carnage that I saw on Monday Night Raw. So that's interesting. So being a, a basketball fan, Chicago Bulls, Dennis Rodman, so a couple of years before you actually got introduced to professional wrestling, you know, Rodman was working WCW shows. So at that point, and again, you know, you were a kid, so it's not like you have the media awareness that, you know, teenagers now have or an adult would have. So you had no idea that Rodman, when he was playing, was also moonlighting as a wannabe pro wrestler. So I would have been about 10 in 97. I knew of it, but that was it. You know, I didn't care about that. I was basketball through and through. Uh, wrestling wasn't even on my radar. We didn't have cable at our house growing up. So I, I got like five channels. Uh, <laughs> you know, wrestling wasn't on Saturday night main event or any of that type of stuff at that point. Right. No, I, and, and I can, I can, um, I can relate to that because when I was so when I was about your age that you're talking about was the first time that we ever got cable. So when I got hooked on professional wrestling, I was about eight years old. It was right it was right before WrestleMania four. So it would have been uh the the first match that I can or show that I can distinctly remember was the main event in February of eighty eight when they did the Hogan Andre rematch from WrestleMania three where they 
did the the dual Hebners and screwed Hogan out of the title and then went on to WrestleMania. And I had started to learn who Hulk Hogan was, and that main event show was the first time that I actually seen Hulk Hogan live on television. And I just I, I remember being just beside myself when you know Andre won the title. Hogan clearly kicked out at one and a half or whatever it was, <laughs> and then. Uh, Andre selling the title to DiBiase and as a not quite eight year old boy, I just I was befuddled how you know this travesty of this miscarriage of justice could take place. Uh, but you know I was hooked. So and we didn't have cable either. Uh, so you know my first exposure to the business was was WWF because there wasn't any NWA or WCW on syndicated TV in the area at that time. Um, so. About ten years difference in us from from when we started watching wrestling, and you're absolutely right. The the time frame that you talked about was uh, right around May of 1999, which at that point was when the WWF was kind of they'd hit their peak almost. You know, they had overtaken WCW in the ratings uh, a year before, and pretty much just put the pedal to the metal and, and kept going and never really looked back. So you get introduced to to pro wrestling and now you're a fan and now you're hooked and you start watching so as a as a preteen you're into this and as you well know the that product during the attitude era that was not very kid friendly so were your my parents-, parents hated it um and that was one of the struggles too um and as weird as it sound as as weird as this will sound the more they hated it the more i liked it um you know you're getting to the teenage years and it's like oh my my parents don't want me to do this. Rock on. That's what I'm doing. And um, so it was kind of weird. My dad did not like it. My mom just wanted to make me happy. So my grandparents had cable. And uh, so Monday nights, they're the first few months after I started watching wrestling. I would coincidentally always want to spend Monday nights at my grandma's. I'd watch wrestling with uh, the neighbor kid at his house. And then I'd come over to my grandparents, spend the night, go to school Tuesday. It was pretty cool. Well, my dad caught on to that, what I was doing. So then we, my mom was covering for me to where like, she would come into my grandma's house and pick me up and take me home on Monday nights at like 1030 because my dad worked the night shift. So if he saw me coming, you know, if he came home and I was home, then it was all good. You know, I wasn't watching wrestling. Right. Well, eventually he caught on to that and, uh, it didn't go very well. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it wasn't good. I kept watching. I kept watching. And then SmackDown came along. Yep. And SmackDown comes along, and it's on one of the five channels that we get on, on Saturdays or whatever. Yep. Because um, I think, what day did SmackDown start? Thursdays? Yeah, it started on Thursdays. Uh, it was on UPN, but uh, it, it ended up getting picked up in syndication through one of the local affiliates. Yeah, here. so it was on at like 3.30 on a Saturday afternoon yeah. or something. Yep. Uh, so then the next problem was I became addicted to SmackDown. Which was great, except I, I grew up on a farm, so you had to chore in the morning and you had to chore at night. Right. So then, coincidentally, my parents made sure chores were at, you know, 3.30 or whatever time. Of course. SmackDown came on. Sure. And uh, I grew up on a pretty good-sized farm. We had a lot to do. And uh, it was hard. It was hard being a young wrestling fan. <laughs> you know, yeah. I loved it. I was yeah. addicted to it. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about anything else. I cared about who's, who Stone Cold was going to stun this week. You know, that was me. Well, that was ever. I mean, that wasn't just you. That was you know five million people a week that were watching because that's 
that's what you that's what you tuned into on Monday nights is you watched in late 97 through 98 and into the end of 99 before he got hurt is you tuned in to see who Stone Cold was going to beat up, who he was going to give the Stone Cold stunner to, what he was going to do to Mr. McMahon, what vehicle he was going to drive, what vehicle he was going to demolish. So, no, I mean, you weren't alone, and I, I was right there with you. I mean, every week, that's what you tune in to see is, what is Stone Cold Steve Austin going to do next? Right? Right. 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 All right. So, I'll cover it. I was going to say something, and I'll say it later because – I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but go ahead. Okay, so you're uh, you're a young man. Um, parents don't approve of the wrestling, but you're uh, you're still getting your fix in when you can. So, at what point did you decide that I want to train to become a professional wrestler? So, as we'll get into the conversation, you know, obviously you trained to be a pro wrestler. You wrestled on the independent scene, and then ended up starting your own promotion. And ran shows for several years and ended up being very successful at it. So, at what age did you decide and then have to go to mom and dad and have that conversation and say, Mom and dad, I want to train to be a wrestler? Well, um, now I've got to think about this a little bit. Um, I never, so I, I, I grew up on a farm. I always had an income, but I never had a set job. Okay, I would load turkeys from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. and then I go to school for however long, and then I come home and I would do the sheep chores or the goat chores or the farm chores or the the field work, you know. Um, so I never really had a set job that I would go to. Uh, one of the things that I did pick up was I, I was a DJ, maybe not a very good one, but I was a DJ. That was my thing, you know. You're looking at them right now. I've got the same speakers that I've had for the last 15 years. Um, so, anyways, I I was. I was doing small dances and doing different things, um, and at, at about the same time, a good friend of mine said, hey, there's a professional wrestling show in Delta, Iowa. Do you want to go? And honestly, I was 45 minutes away from Delta, and I had no idea where it was, but what the heck? Let's go. So we went to the show. We, I sat in the front row, and I was captivated by it. It was amazing. It was honestly I don't know of a time at an indie show that I've ever felt so alive as I did that first night. And that's that's honestly why two years removed from me being even remotely relevant, I think I'm still around. You know, you're talking to me because I still have a passion for it. It's still evident if you talk to me. Um, the show was fantastic. Um, it was packed. And by the way, for people that don't know, Delta may not have a hundred people in it. The roads that I came into town on were dirt and it's February and there's melting snow and it was mud, right? Um, the building was a train wreck, but it was magic. I couldn't have asked for a better first experience at a wrestling show. It was, it was phenomenal. And at the end of the show, well, it didn't even take me to the end of the show, but throughout the show, I said, God, I've got to get involved in this. I've got to do this. And at the end of the show, I stuck around and I watched the ring getting torn down. And uh, I talked to a guy by the name of Mike Ingebretson and said, hey, what can I do to get involved? And of course, what is the, and he was promoting the show at the time with uh, another guy. And uh, what does a promoter say to a young kid that wants to help out? Well, show up next month and you can help set up the ring. Set up the ring, right, exactly. Boom. And so you know what I did? 
I showed up the next month, and I never knew what time I was supposed to be there, but I showed up the next month at like 10 a.m. to help set up the ring. And I sat in my car waiting for people for hours because nobody showed up until like mid-afternoon, right? And I had no contact. I had nobody to talk to. or any, I didn't know anybody. Right. I didn't go with my friend that I went to that show with. Okay. Um, so I go to the show. I help set up the ring. I'm extremely shy. I don't know. I'm 16. I'm 17. Um, eventually, that leads into doing sound. And eventually, that leads to Brian Ash saying, hey, next month, bring bring some workout clothes. And the next month, I, I came and I brought my workout clothes. And Brian Ash beat me up for a little while. And that some people watched. And suddenly, they said, well, hey, this kid's deceptively athletic. We would never have guessed this five six guy that's not, you know... I don't know what I was. I was maybe 180, but I wasn't. I wasn't like somebody you would look at and say, "Boom, this guy's going to be a wrestler." Sure. Yep. But uh, so I, I could do the sound. I was a hard worker. They liked me. I was good in the ring with the basics, and then I started training with IPW in Algona, which I lived in Wellman. Yeah, another town that's about like Delta. Nobody knows where it's at. So Wellman from Algona was four hours one way. Wow. I would get out of school early some days, drive to Des Moines on a Friday night, or drive all the way to Algona, sleep at the gas station. That's a true story. Um, to train on Saturday and then drive all the way home. And uh, my parents about this time slowly started supporting it because they had met the guys at IPW. And they, they knew they were good guys. They knew they were taking care of me. Um, eventually, you know, I didn't have to stay at the gas station overnight too long because the guys in town would start to take me in or I'd stay at my relatives in Des Moines. Um, it was, it was, it was a, honestly, it's a beautiful story when you look back on it. I don't know that I would do it again today. You know, I'd, right. I would not sleep at a yeah, gas yeah. station overnight right. now. But right. uh, at the time, you did it because you wanted it, and it was great. So you talk, yeah, I mean, talking about a, a 16, 17 year old kid sleeping in his car at the gas station, I mean, that's, you talk about paying dues uh, to, to try to get into the business, to try to follow your dream. I mean, I, and again, you're sitting here sharing the story with me, you know, you and I have known each other for, for 10 years. And I mean, I, I certainly, I knew that you got into the business by training with IPW, but I didn't know half that information that you just dropped. So I, I appreciate you sharing that story and, and you're absolutely right. It speaks to the fact of, of how badly you you wanted this and how much you were willing to work for and, and the sacrifice that it was going to take uh, because I, I can guarantee you that when I was 16, 17 years old, there is no chance that I would sleep in my car at a gas station to, you know, show up the next day to, to train. That just, that wasn't in me. But uh, no, I, I think that's, that's very commendable. And certainly I think as we get further into your story, that, that sense of, of determination, desire, work ethic, uh, the story that you just shared, that's not the, the trait of someone who doesn't want to do whatever it takes to be successful. So, and again, as we, as we continue to go through the story, that will continue to play out there. Yeah. There's, there's not anybody from IPW at that time that could say that I didn't want it. And in return, there's not anybody that I could say didn't treat me with the utmost respect there, you know? Uh, it was a great time in my life. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about Brian Ash beat you up. Uh, the The comment that, <laughs> that Brian always used to have about you was he's just, he's farm strong. You know, he's he's this kid and, you know, he's 
you use the term deceptively athletic. And I think I actually heard that phrase come out of Brian's mouth and, and the, the buzzword or the tagline, whatever you want to call it, that I always remember Brian saying about you is he's farm strong. You know, the, the kid gets in the ring and he just, you know, he doesn't look like he's, you know, that strong, but you get him in there and, and he is. So, you know, you're absolutely right. But, um, so now you're, you're training, you're, you're running sound, you're, you're, trying to get into the business you're trying to get booked so this is going to take us to uh march of 2005 so this was the time where todd countryman steve bealy and myself we've all met we've uh decided that we're going to form a wrestling company 3x wrestling we're going to start running shows in des moines and uh, Todd had been, I think, to a couple of independent shows. I think he'd been to one IPW show, and he went, he'd been to a show like back in '02 that that Big Dog Barber ran. I think it was one that had like British Beefcake and somebody else. Um, I had never been to an independent wrestling show. I had been to a couple of WrestleManias, a few WWE pay per views, but I'd never been to an independent wrestling show. So I had no idea what to expect. Um, Kind of like you, I remember going to Delta. You know, we, we went down to, to Delta to check out the IPW show. You have business cards, right? Yes. I remember uh, that. Steve was adamant that we have business cards. Business cards stick out to me. Um, and I'm just going to say one thing about business cards. Nobody does it. Right. But Donnie Pepper Cricket was the first guy I ever booked because at one of your shows uh, at the State Fair, mm-hmm. uh Bad bad boys of wrestling or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, September. I don't know what yep. it was. Anyways, uh, Donnie Pepper Cricket came up to me and he gave me a business card. And he was the first person I booked, not because I had, not because I didn't know anybody, right? But I liked him and he had the card, and that's just kind. Of, I don't know. I like that. So yeah. I I do remember the cards now. I remember yeah. you had cards. Yeah. So yeah, and and that's funny because I had forgotten about the business <laughs> cards. Uh, so I, I remember, Steve, we, we have to have business cards. And Todd and I just kind of looked at him like, okay. He's like, no, it it's, shows that you're professional and you mean business. Okay, print up some business cards. So, yeah, so uh, we came down, and I think Todd had, or somebody had reached out to, you know, some of the guys that were working the show, and they were more than gracious. And, you know, we came down and watched the show. And you're right, I, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this, and you're in this dump of a building in this little podunk town, and there's probably – 250 people in this building and i'm just i'm sitting there and i'm watching in amazement because i've never i've never seen any of these guys before in my life i've never seen them and i see them having you know a range of anywhere from not very good matches to yeah you know these matches are 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 pretty you know these are, are pretty good pretty believable you know i've been watching wrestling for oh you know not quite 20 years at the time so i i I think I have an idea of what is a good match and what isn't. But uh, I remember a couple of the guys, you know, we got introduced to and they, they kind of took us around and we're meeting everybody. And I remember walking up to this young farm strong kid and had a, a good handshake, a good firm handshake and introduced himself as Austin Bayless and said, I, I'm one of the trainees. I'm training and, and I run sound. And I remember the, the we went to three shows in a row. And I remember of all the people there, all the wrestlers, everybody, because probably at the time, half the guys on that show got booked on the first 3XW show. But everybody got booked on that first 3XW yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, probably. Um, you, do you remember how many matches you had on that? Probably nine. 
probably nine. I mean, like nine matches, like three title matches, four title matches. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that's another story for another for another day. But but the the point I'm making with this is, you know, those those three shows that we went to. I don't know if you even remember this. Other than Todd and Steve, the person that I found myself hanging out with the most and spending the most time with and talking to the most was you. And the reason it was is I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm looking at these these characters, these these grown men in tights. And, you know, the, the wrestling business gets a rap for having not necessarily the best people, I guess. And, and I'm not saying that the people there weren't the best people. But I just remember, you know, you and I would talk and we'd talk about wrestling. We'd talk about what's going on, on the show and this and that. And I just remember thinking... There's this nice young man here amongst this just sea of deviance. Like what? What? Why is this young man here? Like he should be, you know, off volunteering or something. But uh, you know, I was volunteering then. Well, yeah, okay, outside of the business. But um, but no, you know, I I enjoyed the time that we spent together, and and you know, I know you ended up running sound uh, at the first first three XW show, maybe a uh, first couple. Um, first quite a while. Um, I don't remember when it was over, but for quite a while, I was your sound guy. At least, at least a majority of the first year, I think. Yeah, it had to have been because I know you were you were doing it at Hoover. <coughs> you did it at Dollar Fitness. That's probably one of my favorite buildings. I said that to somebody in the last couple of weeks. We drove by the Dollar Fitness building, and I said I used to wrestle there. That was a pretty cool building. Yeah, it was until the guy. Well, yeah, again, yeah, we'll we'll not go there. So, so you're training. Um, so, when did you have your first match? Well, I wrestled as a ma- I, I wore a blue mask and camouf and a camouflage outfit in November of 2005 in Hedrick, Iowa, during a battle royal. Everybody starts in a battle royal. I started in the worst kind of battle royal you can start in. It was like a fans bring the weapons. Yeah. Was this the ladder royal gimmick? No. No? Okay. This, so this was the this fans was, bring the weapons. This was EPW and Hedrick, oh, November yeah. something. Okay. I've got, I, oh, five. Poster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I come out have, having no clue. By the way, I remember that day very well because my school's football team won the state championship that day and I left the game before it was over so that I could make it to the show in time to set up the ring and train so I didn't see my classmates I was a senior in high school I didn't see my classmates win the state championship because I knew that it was like a three-hour drive from Cedar Falls to Hedrick based on the route I was going right and I had to set up the ring so that I could train so that I could be in my first battle royal so the battle royal is this fans bring the weapons thing. And I'm a puss. So <laughs> I'm not a fan of the barbed wire. I'm not a fan of the of the thumbtacks. I'm not a fan of pain, okay? You know, that's just not me. And uh, Chance Cordova picks up, we're in the match, and Chance Cordova, I believe, picks up this big-ass stop sign. And the next thing I know, I'm wearing it. And I'm wearing it, like, more than once. And then he throws me out. And I go to the back, and I've got a headache instantly. And I'm changing, and I'm like, boom. Where are we at next week? You know, it, it's weird because you yeah. say to yourself, you, you're looking at me like, 
yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. And it didn't feel like fun, right? you know, physically, but mentally it was addicting because every time he hit me with that, the crowd roared. Sure. Yeah. And so you fed off of, even though it was at my expense, you fed off of the crowd enjoying seeing you in some pain, sure. you know, and sooner or later I was going to deliver some pain, you know, is what I wanted to, is what I was hoping for. So, um, the first real match that I had was, well, I guess it's still like a Royal Rumble type thing. This was the latter Royal. Then uh, it was like uh, December 3rd of 05 in Delta. And um, about everyone from my senior class came from uh, my school and a good chunk of people from a neighboring school. And it was a terrible weather day. And I, I, I honestly believe that if it wasn't for me, there probably would have been, because the weather was so bad, there probably would have been half the crowd that there was. And I was just in it for the Battle Royal. But I'm in high school, and everybody's like, oh, this crazy kid's doing wrestling. Yeah. And I'm telling them about it. And right. by the way, I don't know if you were there to remember this, but I had a weird haircut. So I had a mohawk. I went, I went to Des Moines, and I went to Slipknot's Barber here in Des Moines. So the guy that cuts Slipknot's hair whenever they're in town or whatever, I don't know, but Slipknot's barber. Cut my hair, and he cut it in like a a diamond shape on the top of my head. And then the letter A in the back of my head. And then I had the flipper. So the letter A was black. The top of my head was purple. And the the flipper was yellow, right? So it was like it was like yellow and purple, which were my high school colors. Okay. So I went to school for a week, right, with this crazy haircut, and it was the best advertising you could get because I was the weird kid with the weird haircut that was wrestling this Saturday night, and everybody knew the. Te- I mean, right away you walk in and people look at you like you're crazy, right? And I was yeah. because I wanted wrestling, and I was a character at that point in time. Um, so the funny thing about the hair leading up to that week is something happened and my head, my head didn't react to it. So my hair was like falling out and the purple went from like purple to gray and the black in the back of my head was falling out. And I had like reactions of like (laughs) red pimples everywhere. And it was, it was pretty funny because I look ridiculous looking at the photos from it now. But so my first, my first official match is Austin Bayless was uh, December 3rd, 2005 in Delta. And, uh, it was great. It very similar, you know, I'm in there, this wasn't like a weapons type of thing, but I'm in there for five minutes. I wasn't very impressive, but it was amazing. All of my buddies, my relatives were there. I don't know how many people I had there, but I had a bunch of people there and, um, you just love it. You just love it. I was hooked. And after that, I kind of lose, I think in February I had a match um, against uh, a guy by the name of Max Force. So I started refereeing, and then uh, this big, brutal-looking guy beat me up as a referee, and the next month the referee had his revenge and kicked right. a chair in his face or something and okay. won. And so it was let's pretty go, fun. Let's go back to the, the first official match. So you said you got you know the, the whole school is there, a good check of the, the neighboring school, your buddies, your relatives. So are mom and dad there? Mom and dad are there. Okay. And dad is fully embracing this. And dad is about to find out he's going to go overseas for a year to Iraq. That's right. I remember this. And so he That's embraced right. it fully. He kind of didn't have a choice at this point because I was in it. Right. I mean. There was no going back. Like it or not, this is what I was doing. And and the IPW guys took great care of me. Sure. I Honestly. Yep. Um, and they, they, um, 
they knew my parents. You know, a lot of them were my parents' age, you know, or, or nearby, where they could relate yeah. to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And my parents are respectable people. And uh, mom and dad were, when, when I finally started training and I made that commitment once a week to go to Algona for however long that I went, my parents embraced it. And by the way, I was paying for my own my own gas and everything. I right. bought my own car to go up there. Yep. So they weren't footing the bill for this. Right. It was me well, doing DJ stuff or sure. whatever. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the the passion, the desire, the drive, the work ethic. You know, again, that's going to be the underlying theme of, of our conversation. You know, when it when it comes to wrestling. So I know uh, you started wrestling in three XW. Uh, you were uh, part of a, a stable group there, the Blue Chippers. Um, some of the more established guys, Brian Ash, Gage Octane, uh, you as a rookie, and uh, a svelte, fat, skinny guy by the name of David Anderson was your manager. Was I your first manager in the business? Maybe my only manager. Only manager. Um, do you remember wearing a birthday? Was it your birthday? It was my birthday. It was your birthday, and you wore the cake in the face. I uh, did. We were in downtown Des Moines at a we school were. there. We were. And uh, I wrestled Ego in the main event yes. because I was the peon. I was his selection for his first title defense. Yes. And you and I came to the ring, and uh, I think I was down and out when you got the cake in the face. But I remember that, yeah. Yeah, that was after... Um, yeah, because that was the the spot where we had the birthday cake, and you know it was to celebrate my birthday. And it was going to be celebrate your win, and then of course, as any good thing in re- you know any good storyline in wrestling, of course the heel has to get the cake in the face, and of course I sold it like battery acid and a gunshot and smeared it all over the canvas. So Steve was real happy about that, but luckily we had just purchased a new canvas. So the, the, the things the, in life that make a wrestling promoter freak out. Yeah, when you see a stain on a canvas or bubble gum that's smushed on yeah. the canvas, and you're like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah. Well, and actually, so so that show, so it's interesting because that was Todd and I talked about this a little bit uh, when we were on the show. You know, the the whole issue with running shows at Dollar Fitness that abruptly ended like two weeks before this May show. That's where I had my first match for you, February of oh uh, six, I think. Okay. At the uh, you had the. Gauntlet for the gold, Gauntlet or for something the gold, like that. Yeah, and you did commentary for it. Yes, and it was a pretty darn good DVD, if I remember right. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. Because of what? The whole the, thing. Really? The the, produ- the quality of the DVD was really good. I, you guys had some guys coming in with Tony. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, uh, they that's put together right. the DVD. And I tell you, as a television guy, and <laughs> you have a really big appreciation for good video. Yeah, and for so many years I had terrible video when I would run shows or when right. I was wrestling. Right. So you remember good videos, okay? <laughs> and wow. commentary and different angles. You know, I think yeah. you guys had two cameras and uh, yeah, they did a two camera shoot, and then they they stuck me out on commentary, and I would have people, I think different people for different matches would just kind of come out. Brian um, was the champ, so Brian was yep. doing commentary with you for this match. Yeah, for the for the battle royal. That's right. Yep. But um, <laughs> so this the 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 cake in the face show. And I don't know if you have any stories about what we're about to talk about. So uh, that was the the first show in the 3XW era where we lost our shirt. And we lost our shirt because we lost our regular building. To Well, so here's the thing. It, you, you can – it's 10 years ago pretty much now. It's been 10 years. And you can sit back, well, this probably happened. Here's the thing. It was the third week in May. Graduation was going on. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. 
it could have drawn what it did at that other at that dollar fitness place. You know, who there's no guarantee that would have drawn, but based on what we were drawing before, and then we we lose our building and we're scrambling. And Todd and I talked about this. You know, the internal struggle. Well, what do we do? And I I distinctly remember we got to cancel the show. And Todd even admits on the on the podcast. No, you know, we, we can't cancel the show. The the guys will think that we're idiots and we're unprofessional. And okay, well, you've got two weeks to find a building. So. You know, we're calling, we're making calls. We we find this the the school downtown in Des Moines. The the rent was triple what we were paying. We were paying some money at Dollar Fitness. It was triple what we were paying at Dollar Fitness, and they wanted event insurance and a one night event insurance policy. I remember because I had to to tell Steve to write the check. It was five hundred and fifteen dollars. I don't know that we did five hundred and fifteen dollars in ticket sales that night. So you, that kind of tells you, you know, where you're at. But I, I distinctly remember, you know, the, the, the cake spot and whatnot. And after the show, you know, sitting in the, in the back of the gym, kind of figuring out where we're at. And for the first time in almost a year of doing shows, having that really dejected feeling of this sucks because, you know, the other shows we, we weren't, we weren't getting rich by any means. You know, we were. We were at least breaking even, maybe putting a little money in the till to come ahead at the end of the night. Uh, but that show sucked. And I, I actually, I remember you talking about your dad because I remember. It was his last show, I it think. It was the last show yeah. because he was back there kind of, yeah. you know, trying to. Yeah, he was he was getting ready to leave. And we were back in like the corner of the building. And I had a buddy of mine running the sound that night. Um, I remember that, yeah. In fact, we had some uh, we had some of our family there too because it'd be the last time that some of the people would see him, you know, before he went overseas. So, right. hey, you said you lost your shirts. I you lost some of them to me because I remember my relatives buying some of them that night. Okay, you yeah. had like a pink three XW logoed shirt, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And uh, so you sold some blue chipper shirt that night. Yeah, because uh, yeah, my relatives came and they saw. You know me. Oh and yeah, I was a big freaking deal to him. So sure. of course they got to support me. So yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I I remember and, and I remember having fun uh, managing. Um, you know, I had fun managing all you guys. It, it was fun. You know, it was. I just like to go out there and be an idiot, and especially when you're when you're heel, that's the most fun. I mean, it's it's tough to be a baby face. It's tough. It's be- kind of amazing when I look back on it and I think of those opportunities that I had. Because ego's one fantastic talent, right? And absolutely, uh, to be to be me in that spot at that time, I I was really soaking it up, and I was loving wrestling because I was I was wrestling all the time. But man, what I wouldn't do to just have appreciated it more, because I always thought next week was going to be the same thing, and the week right. after that was going to be the same thing, um, and. I remember that moment. That was a really big moment for me. You know, now, a lot of guys really like to, uh, you know, they have their niche. Some guys a hardcore guy. Some guys a technical guy. Some guys whatever. So my time in 3X, I was the peon. Right. Right. Yep. Like, I was I was the um, the guy that would get beat up so that Brian could do well or Gabe could do well yep. or, or whatever. But I loved it. That I, I loved that spot. Um, yeah. No. I had no problem doing whatever I had to, I don't care about winning and losing. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, whatever. Right. Exactly. No, I, I'm with you. No, those, you're right. When you talk about appreciation, you're absolutely right. And now that I'm so far removed, you know, time is so far removed and, 
You're right. I, I wish you hit the nail on the head. You, I couldn't have said it any better. I, I wish I would have appreciated it more. But again, I'm 10 years older, hopefully a, a little wiser, certainly a lot more mature uh, in my mid-30s now that I'm getting old uh, than I was in my mid-20s. Uh, so we, we talked about how you got started and how you and I got together. So now let's let's jump into the the meat and potatoes of it. So we're getting towards the end of 2006. I decide I don't like how my time is going in the business. So I just tell the guys, sorry guys, I'll see you when you see, I'll see you when I see you. Uh, I'm not doing it anymore. And then the Newton guy came around. Uh, no, Heath was already there with Heath, me. The airplane he, guy. Yeah, he he came in with me, and he left about a month after I did. He tried to talk me into staying. I wasn't having any of it, so so he bailed too. Um, and I remember, and I remember distinctly, um, you again were the only guy still actively in the business, other than Skyler, because Skyler and I had been friends from high school. I you know I I sold my stake of the company to him, but outside of him, you were the only guy that I still kept in contact with and i remember you were having some issues with some stuff that was going on in, in some of the places you were working so now we're going to fast forward to the cew era so tell everybody at what point did you decide that you know what enough is enough i want to i want to get in this i want to do my own thing and i want to become my own promoter promoter and start running shows well the easiest way to put it is I made a lot of people happy, a lot of people made me happy, I made a lot of people mad, a lot of people made me mad, not necessarily in that order. Um, and so I found, screw it, let's talk about it. I, uh, You guys had a show in Ottumwa, and you booked me on it. And I accepted the booking, and IPW was running a show in Delta. I don't know I don't know if it was the same night even, but they ran shows in Delta. And they were my home company. And they wanted me to be loyal to them and I wanted to be loyal to both of you and you guys booked me first. So you I did what every immature kid would do. I told you guys I was going to do your thing. I told them I was going to do their thing and eventually it caught up with me and I ended up doing your thing which made them mad. And it's just a goofy, ridiculous thing. You know, I look back on it and maybe I should have been more loyal to the guys that took care of me from day one. Um, but maybe I should have did what I did and took care of the guys that booked me first. Okay. So let's, let's back up. So this might, this must've been after I was already gone. I don't know. September of Oh six, maybe. Yep. Okay. So I was already gone. So I, and I'm sure 10 years ago, I remember this. So, okay. So, 3XW is running a show in Atumwa. So that would have been... No, that would have been probably toward, more towards the end of the year. I don't know. It um, D- doesn't matter in, in a sense when it was, but it's just... Uh, so basically, you you, du- you you either double booked yourself or got double booked. And I didn't want to tell anybody no. Sure. Because I loved wrestling. Sure. And I wanted to wrestle wherever. And okay. there, was, there was tension between IPW and 3X. Not necessarily oh. me, no, no, but no. there was tension between, you know, the promotions or the sure. promoters. Because, you know, God God forbid that there's another wrestling company. God, what are there now? Like half a dozen? I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Anyways, um, so that's what happened. And that was the beginning of the end for me with everybody. And, uh, hey, I'm cool with that. Um, 
I wish it wouldn't have worked that way, but it did. And uh, I ended up doing something pretty cool in January 2007. I was determined to not die. I loved wrestling. I was going to keep doing it. If I didn't have the support of 3X, so be it. If I didn't have the support of IPW, so be it. If I didn't have... I was I was not done. I wasn't ready to be done. Sure. Um, I'd worked too hard for too long to just fade into the sun, sunset. And um, so I worked for two months on promoting a show. Uh, I, bought, I bought a ring that was a complete POS. It needed everything. It needed everything. And uh, I bought a ring... I bought carpet padding, three layers of it. I spent fifteen hundred bucks on three layers of carpet padding because I didn't know any better, yeah. and because nobody would help me out. Sure. And it was stiff, and it was terrible, and it was bad. But we had our first show on January something sixth sixth of two thousand seven. How do I remember that? Yeah, I don't, first Saturday of two thousand seven. Yep. And uh, the ring was too. The, the padding was too bad to use at the show, and so I knew mentally. Sorry, I knew mentally that I could not have these guys working on that ring. You know, right. it was, it, it couldn't do it. So the padding for the ring, literally the right padding, arrived the night before my first show. Uh, the ring bell arrived the night before the first show. Uh, I put. It was in a small town of Westchester, Iowa, uh, population like fifty. In the middle of nowhere, yeah, um, there was nothing going for the community other than I was from the area. Right, my high school was very close by, um, and I promoted it like no other. And it was magic. It was it was just phenomenal. The turnout. I remember being backstage, and by the way, I booked the show pretty tight because. If I I didn't have a lot of money to lose after spending however much I've spent on a right. ring, yep. And I wanted to do this for a while, you know, so yeah. I couldn't blow it all on a one night disaster, right? So there weren't a lot of people on the show. Been there, um, and I will never forget Brian Ash motioning for me to come over to him, and he put his hand on my shoulder and moved the curtain back a little bit, and I don't know how many people were there, but the building was packed. Maybe 300. Wow. Maybe. Maybe really? 200. Maybe somewhere in the middle. I don't know. It was packed. A lot of people. A lot, it, we didn't have enough chairs for him. That's a good problem. Now. And uh, Brian says to me, you're doing something right because no one else in the state is doing this well right now. And I thought to myself, here's my ticket. I'm going to promote shows. And the show was fantastic. Um it was probably my favorite match in my career that night. Um, the place was packed. I was in a tables match with Montoya X, and he jumped off the balcony and crashed through the table. And the table shatters and goes everywhere. And we're in small town, Westchester, Iowa, population maybe, I, I don't know, Wikipedia or something. But it's small town, nothing. Sure. Right. And uh, it was just magic to this day. And I'm not, I'm not lying on this. People remember me because if, from my community because they went to that show right. or they heard about it yep. because of this wild, crazy man that jumped off a balcony, crashed through a table. And um, that put me on the map. Yeah. That put me on the map. Now, it, okay, so we're talking about the first show, and that's actually one of the things I have. So, again, like I said, you know, I, I had pretty much <coughs> made everybody mad. Uh, my former business partners, 
the people I was running against, um, you know, for, for shows. Like I said, you were pretty much the only guy that I was still talking to in the business. And I'll never forget, I remember getting a phone call from you. I was at work. Uh, this was probably a month before your show. And for whatever reason, you decided that I should call David and get advice from him because he's done such a wonderful job at things. So I remember getting a phone call from you and you just start asking me all these questions. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I, I remember every question you asked me was, well, so-and-so thinks I should do this. And so-and-so thinks I should do that. And I remember after about the second question, I remember I just cut you off and I said, Austin, I said, and I remember this, I said, you know, I, I may not know much about wrestling, you know, or promoting wrestling or, or whatever. But so I turned the tables on and asked you some questions. I said, okay, who's, who's funding the show? You're like, well, I am. Okay. You know, who got the promoter's license? Well, I did. Whose equipment are you using? I didn't have a license at that point. Okay. Well, whatever. Well, mine. Okay. Well, whose show is it? Well, it's mine. Okay. Kid, it's your show. You do what you want. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this character. With... Buddy, look, it's your show. You you do what you want. Now, if you, do I think something's a good idea? You know, great, but it's your show. Do what you want. I mean, it, and I remember there's kind of a pause and, oh, okay, okay, yeah. That... So my biggest problem at that point in time was trying to make everyone happy. I didn't want to, uh, if, if, if making everybody happy meant that I had to compromise, I was cool. Because I just wanted to wrestle. And that was my biggest downfall. I should have stood up for what I believed in. And I think people would have had a better appreciation for me and things would have went a lot different. CEW may never have happened, really. If yeah. I didn't make the mistakes that I made. You well, know? Yeah. Probably so, good that you made those mistakes then. So Maybe, I'm, maybe not. You well, know? Who knows what would have happened. Well, so, okay. So, CEW. So, you started in January of 07. Last show was November of 13? Probably. So we're talking almost seven years. January of 2007 through November of what? 13? Six years. Yeah, so six, almost seven yeah, years. Yeah, uh, basically a full seven, really. Yeah, I okay. don't know. So, a long time. Here, Here's what I do know. So I left 3XW uh, August 2006. I came back for a cup of coffee here and there, but for the most part... I was pretty much self-exiled. Um, you know, I, I would still pay attention to what was going on, but, you know, to me, I, I always paid attention to what was going on locally with, with some of the different groups. And back me up on this, or maybe you have a completely different uh, viewpoint. I think when, when you ran the last show, the last CEW show, CEW may have been the only independent company that decided to stop running shows not because they ran out of money not because people weren't coming to the shows just you you had other stuff to do in life and you know so many times people stop doing shows because they ran out of money or the shows suck and nobody shows up that wasn't the case with CEW I mean let's be honest and, and you know, I promise you before we're on the air, you know, I'm not here to get heat, but this next statement's probably going to get some heat. CEW was the best drawing company at times in Iowa. They were. And and I'll tell you, there were a number of people that it kept them up at night. 
because Austin Bayless is kicking our butt. And I always thought it was funny because I, I never... I think it's funny that two years after the last time I was even remotely relevant, I'm on the second episode of the DA podcast. Well, hey, you know, but... I uh, mean, man, somebody did something right. Exactly. But, but that's my point. I mean, it, it's... We talked a half hour ago about hard work, determination, desire, all those things. Again, that runs the gamut. And, and so let's let's be real. In those you know five, six, seven years of running CEW, you, you weren't getting rich. You weren't going to be the next Vince McMahon. Not every show was successful. Some more than others, probably. You you know. But again, when we get to the end of the day, and the last. 10 plus years that I've been following the local scene, you are the only person that I can say, you know, got out of the game on your own terms and you stopped doing shows because you wanted to stop doing shows. There were no outside factors. The reason that CEW isn't running shows today is because you made the conscious decision. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the, what came as a shock to so many people. And I was tired. Sure. And I needed a break. Yeah. And I did this by myself. Oh. I didn't have an open door of owners. I didn't have... Let's talk about that. I didn't have... Um, and by the way, I say I did it by myself. I was the guy that funded every penny right. of this. Right. As, I had sponsors and stuff. But I was the guy that was in charge of everything. A lot of people that were on the ground helping me make this happen that were volunteering or doing whatever they were doing. I'm not cutting them down. But I was the guy fielding the phone calls from everything. I was the guy booking everything. I was the guy. I was a point guy at the end of the day. Sure. And that gets so tiring. And I couldn't. One of my problems is I have a hard time letting go of some power. Absolutely. I don't think I was ever like an ego tripping guy, but I just have a hard time trusting people. Control freak. Yeah. See, okay, let's talk about that. Especially when it comes to money. Because I have a hard time. Uh, trusting other people sure. with my money. No, I, you hey, know? I get it. So, and, and that was kind of always my thing was, yeah, for me, it wasn't really, well, back then maybe it was ego, but I, you know, I can look back at it now. Me, just, I, I'm a control freak. And I think that's why I left 3XW the first time. That's why I left 3XW the second time. Um, and, and that's probably why I don't have a whole lot of involvement, uh, not to say that, you know, I'm sure if I called some of the guys and said, hey, you know, can I come around and, and do some stuff? I would hope that they would say, yeah, sure, you know, come on down and, and we'll do whatever. But for me, I, I get it, man, because to me as I was all about almost to the uh, as a perfectionist, like, OK, I, I've got this idea and. This is my idea. This idea is great. I don't want to hear why you don't think it's a good idea because it's in my head. It's a good idea. I've I've used logic. Here's why it's a good idea. Why aren't we doing this? Why why do you want to just change this? No, let's just let's keep it like this. So for me, it's a control freak thing. For you, and and, and here's the thing. So. With three XW, there's a there's a group of owners. There, you know, at any point there's been, well, at least three guys. Um, sometimes upwards of five or six people involved. Um, I remember asking what three XW stood for once. Do you, honestly, do you know what it stands for? 
Tell me. It doesn't stand for anything. All right. So I said, and the, and the the logic was, all right, three guys own this thing. Yep. Does that have anything to do with it? Because if it doesn't, then I feel completely stupid for thinking I knew what it meant. No, it does. So, okay. We'll push pause on, on CEW, so we'll come back to Yeah. So what I remember, what I remember having the conversations with Todd is we were talking about branding. And I said, okay, we need a name that isn't like anybody else. We need we need to differentiate ourselves. We need to come up with something different. And I remember just I remember sitting at work as how great of an employee I was back then, sitting there like writing out different company names and just trying to to put something together and I just I couldn't come up with anything and I, I kept writing all these I guess adjectives would be the word, you know, you would use okay, how how can I how can I piece these different things together? And there was, and then there was trying to, okay, instead of extreme, can you cut the E off and it's extreme? And then if there's something exciting, you take the E off and it's X. And there were these three, three words that all had, the first letter was X. And I remember looking at Todd, I'm like, 3X Wrestling. And he goes, wait, Triple X Wrestling? I said, no, 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 no. He's like, yeah, because I, I don't think that'll fly. I'm like, no, but it's funny because we would we we'd have conversations with like either sponsor, you know, people who were trying to get it to give us money, and we would tell them the name of the company was three, the number three X Wrestling, and I'll never forget the manager of Hooters in West Des Moines. He goes three X because Triple X Wrestling. He's like, I run a Hooters. You you need to go up the road to Big Earl's. You're talking to the wrong guy. I'm like, no, it's it's not like that. Um, but they no, were a good sponsor, by the way. They were a good sponsor. That we uh, we we bled them dry. Uh, I can the statute of limitations has, has passed. We uh, we bled them dry um, to the point that they <laughs> the, the manager got fired because they were sponsoring us and uh, among some other shenanigans. But there was supposed to be a show in the parking lot there. Yes, and I was so 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 excited to be a part of that. Yes, and then something happened. The manager got fired. <laughs> And lost, we lost our uh, oh, two, two or three hundred dollar a month. That's sponsorship. actually not funny, but well, no, it's well, it's kind of funny because that sounds like a wrestling deal. It is a wrestling deal, and, and here's the ironic thing: so I work at Wells Fargo. The manager that was managing the Hooters got fired, got hired as the food service manager at the Wells Fargo building where I worked. So. You can imagine how much of an awkward conversation. But was it awkward? Because he pro- it sounds like he may have supported it. Maybe he, maybe it was awkward because well, he lost his job. But yeah, it was, it, yeah, you're probably right. It was probably more awkward for me. But I mean, you know, his name was Scott. You know, the first day I'm like, oh my gosh, that's because you know Heath and I were there, like, dude, that's Scott. We got him fired. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now he um, he started working there. But uh, okay, I'm so- just saying, still to this day, like. One of the coolest ideas for a wrestling show is wrestling outside of a Hooters next to the interstate. With yeah. cars going by right. and, oh my God, the first thing I said with wrestling at Hooters was cars going by. Well, so we're trying to keep it PG. Yeah, so, so <laughs> uh, come on, that that would have been pretty, it, pretty awesome. It would have had potential, yeah. Um, th- there were some out there ideas, uh, and again, that those are probably topics for uh, another podcast but no to to answer your original question that's where the the three xw name came from is we were trying to to brand ourselves as something different so we we get this name picked out we get a website we get all the stuff and then we find out 
there's this promotion in Ohio that's called X3W that was already established because apparently Google wasn't as prevalent back then as it is now. And they had been they had been booking these shows with with name talent and one of the guys ended up you know they must have lost their funding whatever they were booking Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Well, we were trying to book Billy Gunn and I remember Todd freaking out thinking is Billy going to think that this is the same company cuz you know they ended up screwing mm-hmm. a bunch of people out of money and ended up going under and like no just call him it's fine and you know, obviously you know it was fine and it worked out but all right so we took a detour bring it back around CEW again CEW the only company that pretty much went out of business with people still showing up to the building so I didn't need I didn't need money Shows were doing decent. Um, I, I tell you what I, I tell you what I did need. I just needed a life because I'd been doing it for so long, and like I said, I was just tired. Right. And I just, I didn't want to hang another poster. I didn't want to talk to another sponsor. I didn't want to unlock a building ever again. I just, I, by oh, and let me let me say, talking with. 20 different personalities as to who was going to do what was just something that I was completely burnt out on. You mean from a wrestling standpoint? Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, so it, it got to the point to where I was second guessing a good decision, a bad decision on anything. You know, somebody would come up to me with an idea. Uh, I, I, you know, if I book a show, if I book a show and it is the day of the show and you show up two hours before the show and you say, don't like your idea, this is what I want to do. Look, man, it's too late now. Especially when you want to completely rewrite my vision. I've invested in this. I've promoted on this. This is something that hopefully I've had more thought than just two hours before, you know, to change a decision. And it's, you know, that's where people also play with your money. Right. Because yep. if you go with their decision, maybe it'll make you more money. Maybe it won't matter. Maybe it'll lose you money. Right. But at the end of the day, when we got to that point and guys were coming up to me, you know, it's like it, it became like the good old boys club, I felt. You know, everybody talked amongst each other. They, right. they traveled to wherever, and then they'd have all these ideas of cool things that they'd want to do with their buddies. I'm just like, no. Yep. Done, man. I want to. I want to start a family. I want to. You know. I'm just. It's not that I didn't like wrestling. Right. It's that it was really hard for me to see the good things in wrestling at sure. that point. Right. Um. I I had a TV deal lined up for CEW. Okay. The last the last uh, fifteen months we taped CEW with at least two cameras. Sometimes three, and we we produced them. Some of them we produced live. We had a switcher there. We had like a fifteen thousand dollar production of equipment there, putting together this little show. And we were we were all game for TV, and we were literally about three months away from the first episode. If I were to pull the plug on it, or if I were to let's say switch. let's go, okay, and because uh, we had the material, it was all it was all together. We were starting to build graphics for it. Um, and I just, one night, you know, I, I threatened my wife multiple times. I think I'm just done. I think I'm just done. 
And one night, I just said, no, I, I got home from work. And by the way, I was driving three hours a day to and from work. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And I just, I was like, no, man, it's just, I'm done. And, I, yep. and she didn't believe me. Yep. And I wrote, I wrote a, like a, an announcement message at home on my computer, you know, that said, hey, I'm done. And I sat on it for a week because I wanted to be sure when I pulled the plug that I was positive, you know, so I right. sat on it. Yep. And before there were there were several people really close to CEW that I owed that announcement to before everybody found out. So I wanted to do my best to make sure that anybody that was really emotionally attached and had, that had really helped, they heard it from me. You know, well, before and the, and they read it online and their heart was ripped out from them. Right, and and that's that's honorable, and, and I'm sure they appreciated that. So. And that was one of the questions that I had for you. So, you know, let's talk about your wife. Let's talk about Kelsey. So you guys are high school sweethearts. Um, so she's, she's been on this whole ride. She, she's been the beginning, the middle, and the end. So as you're, you're – Her first wrestling show was – well, her first outside of like IPW, 3X, CW. Her first wrestling show was WrestleMania 22. In Chicago. Boom. So that's, that's an experience. Can you imagine that your first wrestling show is a WrestleMania? Uh, no, no, I can't. So, so she's she's been with you from from the very beginning. So, you know, you're you're getting into this. You're you're getting going. You're running shows. You're you're doing well. Um, you guys are dating. You get engaged. You get married. You're still doing shows. You guys want to start a family. You know, from from her perspective, you know, even before you, you decided to get married, and and well, I guess even after you got married, you know. What was her role in all this? You know, did she did she support you? Did she? Uh, what are you doing this wrestling crap for? Um, you know, some some wrestlers or promoters, significant others, kind of have that. Uh, why are we doing this wrestling thing? Um, so, you know, where what was her involvement in all this? She began loving it. I think like probably all spouses do. They come to it. Oh, sweet! This is what my uh, significant other does. You know, oh, that's great. And then. You know, she's been a, she was a part of the shows of CEW for seven years, but before that, there was like two or three years of independent stuff, or you know, training or what whatnot. So she's she's been around for ten years of this craziness, you know, and um, it just it loses its charm when you're doing it all the time. Um, I put on probably somewhere around a hundred shows in seven years, and you're thinking about it all the time, all the time. I, I guarantee your wife, Dave, thought when you were doing this, you're obsessing over this stuff. Now, you like wrestling, and that's one thing. You can watch wrestling on Monday nights. You can talk about it, whatever. But it's completely different when suddenly you're you're emailing, you're texting, you're calling, you're cutting tickets, you're hanging posts. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You have to obsess on it because if you don't, you lose your money. And it became something that wasn't fun. Right. It became something that we felt like we had to do. Yep. Because your pride was too high to say, I'm walking. And uh, she was with me every step of the way. It just became something that we felt like we had to do. And the best decision I ever made was to end it. Seriously. And uh, so I'm nearing two years away from this. And it's it's the best feeling you can ask for when people are texting you and or emailing you or calling you or confronting you face-to-face saying, when's the next show going to be? So in, in uh, 
January or February of this year, I bought two new rings. They weren't new, but they were new to me. Right. They, uh, they were terrible rings. And my project was I was going to rebuild these rings. And the reason I had to, I didn't have any rings is because when CEW closed, in order to fully close the company, I had to sell off all of my assets. Right. So it's not like I wanted to get rid of my equipment. I just wanted to close this business. And so I liquidated all of my assets. So it was time to get some rings again. Bought a couple of rings. Uh, kind of regret it. Kind of happy I did it. Um, in any event, I've got one nice ring now. And I've got one that needs a little work, and I've got no outlet for them. You know, I've got one set up in my garage right now that yep. I've, I've done some training in, and it feels really good to have it in your garage. But uh, you know, now I'm parking outside, yeah. and that's a pain. So I, it's just weird because I don't really, I really wanted to run a show this November. We had a longtime fan that passed away, um, and I was asked to be a pallbearer at her funeral. And to speak, I was the I was the one that uh, closed her services at her funeral, and it was the most emotional thing that I've ever been asked to do and that I've ever done. And the family was really hoping that we could have another show. And mentally, I really wanted to do it even before that. And then when when the uh, when the family was talking to me and saying how much it meant to her, I was like, boom, I really want to do this. It'd be, we do it in November once, you know, my work allows it and, um, we can, we can have it, you know, show in her name and it'll, it'll be great. But man, I just can't commit to it. I just can't, I can't pull the trigger and say, I'm going to do that because I'm still not fully rested from that. You know, um, it's been almost two years and I still can't imagine hanging another poster right now. Um, and and I've I, in a sense I've got everything I need. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got my speakers. Yep. I've got my ring. I've got my trailer. Yep. I've got a vehicle. Um, I mean, we can make it happen. I didn't burn bridges when I ended. It's not like um, I'd be afraid to go put on a show again. But right. I'm just mentally still done. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that so that was going to be my next question is I book shows out by the way, probably yeah. once a month. Okay. So like I'm good for about 2 days on any thought and then it's gone. Yeah. No. So I, so you're you're being pretty transparent and uh and I just certainly I appreciate that. So, you know, I I struggle with the same thing. And look, so I'm not going to pretend to sit here and say that I can I can have a conversation as far as promoting shows on the same level as you. Uh, certainly you were quite successful at it. And, and the couple times that I decided I was going to run the spot show, uh, it, it wasn't. And, and that's okay. Um, but I'm with you in the fact that usually I think the longest stretch that I've gone where I thought I had my wife convinced that I'm never doing this again was about two years. Now, she knew that there was no chance that I would never come to her and say, "Hey, let's let's do this again." Um, but I thought I had her convinced. But no, um, you know, uh, a year ago, uh, I tried to put a couple things together a couple times, and just work got in the way, and it sucks because you never want to use that as an excuse. But at the same time, it's you know, to, it's my money and. You know, with with my job, I do a fair bit of traveling, and if I'm not if I'm not going to be able to dedicate the time that I feel needs to be dedicated to it, I'm just I'm not going to do it. And 
you know, luckily it was it was far enough out that it wasn't like you know the week before, or the month before, or anything where hopefully you know people hadn't you know, spent a lot of money and committed time and whatnot. But you know, as, as we sit here and share this, you know, certainly I'm I'm not saying that I'll never attempt to to run another show. Um, I guess at this point for me, like you know, um, I've still kind of stayed in it. PWP wanted to book Hardcore Holly. I made the connections. I paid for half of him. They got the tickets. I got the I got the uh, the merchandise, autograph sales, whatever. You know, it didn't work out too well for me. It worked out great for them. I'm happy I did it. Probably won't do it again. You know, just based on it, it was kind of an unfortunate situation on my end. Yeah. I'm very happy to help them out. They've sure. treated me great. Um, Bob was cool, but. Uh, so I did that. I've done some other stuff, and um, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I, I would really like to wrestle again, and I would like to wrestle again because then I could only worry about – then I'd only have to worry about me. Right. I wouldn't have to worry about the person selling the concessions yep. or the person mopping the floor or the person in the ring in the match. or You know, like, then I only have to worry about me, and uh, that's kind of my thing right now, like – if I'm going to do this again, I really don't think it would be very counterproductive to try to put on shows right now because mentally I'm not there long enough to make it worth the risk. Sure. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I look at you and, and Kelsey and, and your baby boy, Briston, you know, you're kind of where I was when I got out. Um, you know, I, I had three very young kids um, and as you're learning kids take a lot of time and I don't want to be the a-hole dad. That's not there for the important stuff because I'm running this independent wrestling show that 50 people are sitting at that. I'm losing my shirt on <laughs> anyway. Um, but now you, know, for me, my kids are, are all older and um, you know, they, they, they like some of the stuff and, and we get to do the, the cool fun stuff. You know, we go to, we go to comic con and stuff like that. And, and, that, and let's talk about cool fun stuff with families. You know, you and I met up not intentionally at comic con, right? And you have your daughter with you. I have my son and you've been, you go everywhere with your kids. Yep. And that's fantastic. Right. And, uh, I enjoy that, you know, right. I want to be able to enjoy those experiences. And I just think it's super lame when, these guys have kids and they're spending time wrestling every weekend where their kids never see them because they can't because their mom or dad are on the road or whatever making 20 bucks and you know name the state 5 hours from here. I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's not me. Right. And I think that's lame because yeah. I value my family. Sure. Um I love traveling, but I never needed to travel to be happy. Right. You know, uh, the one thing that was a lot different about me was I was completely fine wrestling once a month or four times a month, but it didn't have to be either way for me. Yep. So let's, uh, let's start to put a bow on, on some of the CW talk. So, you know, we, we've certainly, we, we've talked a lot, you know, a couple last questions about it. Um, so as, as we spent time here, the last hour talking about it, and you you kind of open that wound again, and you, you get some of that that feeling back in you. When you when you look back at the run, any regrets? Probably should have ended it sooner. 
probably should have ended it sooner. Probably should have ended it before we put all that effort into the TV thing. Probably should have ended it in 2011. Um, but my pride was still too high. I had worked too hard for it. I wasn't prepared to say sayonara, you know, to all of the people. Um, but I, the la- the 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 final match had ended, had ended, and we're closing out the last show. And there's a wrestler in the ring that I asked to. I said, I, I would like you to say something, and then my mom and dad are going to say something. And then I'm going to close it out. You know, my wife may say something and then I'm going to close it out. And I knew I was done when the guy that was speaking in the ring talked for about 15 minutes. And a part of that 15 minutes, he was promoting another company. And you know what? That's time for you to shut the F up. No, seriously. Yeah, no. That is the most disrespectful freaking thing that I've ever been a part of, and I knew I was done at that moment because this guy starts starts saying, uh, talking about the next company that's probably going to try to come into Oskaloosa. I worked seven years to have that moment, and he rambled about nothing. And then my wife didn't get to speak. My mother didn't get a chance to speak. My father didn't get a chance to speak. And then I was so ready to be done at that point that I couldn't believe that he put over somebody else's company at the end of ours. You know, that's the wrong time, man. And uh, I was done. I was so thankful. So the regret would be that I wish I never would have had that moment. I wish that I never would have given that guy the opportunity to talk. Um, I wish that 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 never would have had. That ruined it for me. Wow. Yeah, I guess I I didn't know anything about that, so yeah. that's and I've never said that to anybody. So you've got it first. That's an exclusive. That's an exclusive. And that's I got scoops, feel. and you know what? I don't care because that's just the way it is. So that well, that's damn. lame. You don't do that, no, man. No. Don't don't you be that. don't no. ruin it like no, that. You don't. If, that's, that's if, if he would have asked, I probably still would have said no because it was our moment. Sure, but uh, if he would have asked, then it wouldn't have came as such a surprise to me. And when he says it, I, I never forget everybody looking at me, like the guys looking at me. And the guy talking was the only one that didn't get that that was rude. Right. That and the guy that probably put him up to it. But uh, afterwards, people were coming up to me saying, the, the boys were saying, what an asshole. Can't believe he said that. Right. And, and I'm just like, I'm done. Yep. So happy to be done. Yep. It's great. Let's get out of here. Because that's how I felt. <laughs> right. You know? Yep. I don't look back at CEW with, honestly, that many fond memories. And I think that the ending really? of it, the, really, the ending of it tarnished it for me. Now, I met a lot of good people. I did a lot of great things. But the ending of it was so strong to me that after seven years, the guy that I allowed to talk last didn't have enough respect for what we had worked hard for to send us off the way we deserved. So... You know, I, I you don't shill somebody's prod, right. product uh, when you're in a situation like this. It's you know you're sailing into the sunset. It's sad. People are crying. I'm crying. Right. You know, and and then the, the guy's basically saying, "Hey, all these things about this other company." It just kills the mode, the mood, man. Right. Well, and, and I just wanted to get out of there, and uh, you're kind of killing my mood. Dude, it's a mood killer. It's <laughs> CW was very good to me, yes. and then I think it's stuff like that, and it's like, yeah, meh. So, 
yeah, that's that's brutal. I mean, I, so obviously, I'm not going to ask who it was or anything like that. So I, I guess the the final question for that is: so you you kind of laid a lot on me right there. You know, I mean, you you put it out there, you you let it out, uh, and I wasn't expecting that. So my either question, was anybody in the building that was standing up crying and holding their head and like, oh my god, we you know, hey, some of these people. That came to our shows. It was the only fun thing they did, right? With their families, sure. It, you know, it brought a lot of people together. Right. I'm sure every company has those people that what they produce is what the people relate to once a month or however often it right. is their thing. Yep. And it was just so disrespectful. And uh, so my my last yeah. question with it is: so you you've obviously you you've laid a lot on me. You know, talking about this, we're almost two years removed. That night, did you have a conversation with the individual? Have you had a conversation with the individual since? Have no. you could care less? Okay, I'm over it, man. Okay. CW's in the rearview mirror. He hasn't reached out to me, so that's where I rate. I haven't reached out to him, so that's where he rates. And cool, you know. If we see each other, I don't think either of us would have issues. And if we never saw each other, I don't think either of us would have issues. Okay. <laughs> you know, fair enough. Fair so, enough. yeah. Well, I like I said, you know, I I certainly appreciate you, uh, you, you know, dropping some four one one because that I wasn't expecting that. So, um, you know, certainly I, I appreciate you, you know, kind of opening yourself up a little bit and talking about that. So there you have it, a great interview this week with my friend Austin Bayless, talking about all the different experiences that he had in starting as a teenager, essentially into the world of professional wrestling starting out as a trainee and some of the things that he went through to pursue his dream to make it in the world of pro wrestling and then did a little bit of refereeing and then went on to become a full-time wrestler and then branched out on his own and started his own promotion and of course walked us through all the steps and everything that was involved with that and like I said during the interview I was I was very surprised at how candid he was on some things and and especially the story that he shared with us at the end of the program there about what happened and it's just an unfortunate situation and I could tell sitting across the the table from him you know he had he had pretty much shut this down and, and kind of blocked this out of his mind and to see him kind of reopen that old wound if you will and, and talk about it I could tell that you know it was it was kind of laying on him so again I appreciated him sharing that uh, with us and thought it made for a great interview so we're going to go ahead and and press pause on this week's episode we're going to get next week's all queued up, and we're going to continue our conversation next week with Austin. We're going to talk about his love of collecting autographs and going around the Midwest to meet several of his heroes and, and villains of professional wrestling, both legends and, and those performing today and, and other pop culture celebrities. And we're going to talk about the current situation with Hulk Hogan, as everyone's well aware of. Uh, Hulk Hogan uh, going through some hard times right now, self-imposed hard times. But uh, we're going to talk about that situation. And then finally, I'm going to deliver on my promise from week one, from episode one, where I said that I would no doubt upset 50% of the listening audience. Well, that's going to happen next week because Austin and I are both big political junkies. So we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about the current political climate. We're going to talk about some of the candidates, what each of our opinions are of some of those candidates, where we see the country headed, where we think needs to happen, and not just being a political conversation, it was a pretty deep philosophical conversation. And regardless of what your political feelings are or beliefs are, I think that you can objectively and independently sit down and, and listen to this conversation between two people. And 
I'm sure you can take something away from it. So again, thanks to Austin Bayless for the great conversation for episode two. And we'll go ahead and we're going to resume this next week for episode three. Don't forget, you can check us out online. Head up the website, www.thedapodcast.com. Head on over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash thedapodcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DA Podcast and give us some feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to hear and, and give me some feedback. I want to know what you guys think. Let me know if there's anybody out there that you think would be a good person to have on the show. I'll certainly do my best to try and track them down and, and get them to, to answer some of the tough questions. So for now, I want to thank you as always for downloading the show and I look forward to having you download next week's edition. Take care, everyone.